Hi everyone and welcome to our podcast series. My name is Jan Orford and I'll be your host today. Today's podcast is focusing on the topic of the health literacy perspective on self-monitoring and problem solving in diabetes management. There are two learning objectives for this podcast. The first, to understand the concept of health literacy and how this relates to diabetes self-management. And secondly, to describe strategies to support people with lower health literacy to develop flexible problem-solving skills. Our speaker today is Julie Eyre. Julie has a Bachelor of Psychology and is a PhD candidate in the Sydney School of Public Health at the University of Sydney. She's being supervised by Professor Kirsten McCaffrey, Dr. Carissa Bonner and Professor Don Nutbean. Julie's PhD explores how apps for diabetes self-management can be adapted for people who have lower health literacy. This body of work will inform the design of an app developed by Western Sydney Diabetes. Hello, Julie. Welcome. And how are you today? I'm well, thanks. Um, And I just wanted to say thank you for having me here today. I'm really excited. Absolutely um, welcome for that and and look forward to hearing what you have to tell us. So I've got a series of questions that I'm going to pose for you, if that's all right. We might get started. Mm -hmm. So, Julie... Can you explain what health literacy actually is and and where the term comes from? Yep, so health literacy refers to the cognitive and social skills that a person uses to access, understand, appraise and use health information. So for example, um, in terms of diabetes, that could be something like reading information about diabetes self-management or about diet. Um, And it can also include reading medicine instructions and measuring out the dosage Um, and things like thinking critically about information that you find online, so the different websites as well. And in terms of where it actually started, it's an idea that's been around since the 80s and 90s, particularly in the US. And it actually started when, um, so researchers were looking at the relationship between literacy and health, and they saw that low literacy was associated with poor health outcomes, so poor accessing of health services, poor medication adherence um, and preventative health behaviours. And then over time, this developed into an idea of um, literacy skills actually being context and content specific. So you might have um, things like financial literacy, media literacy, IT literacy, which is about um, using the internet or using different technologies in in order to, um, and combining that with your literacy skills. And then finally, of course, also health literacy. And that's the idea that um, your literacy skills, so your reading skills and writing skills and communication skills are actually um, dependent on the context that you're using them in. So in terms of health literacy, um, it's become more prominent recently in Australia, and that's because it's been embedded into policy and performance indicators, like the national standards standards that have come through the Australian Commission for Safety and Quality in Healthcare. Thanks for that, Julie. So having established what it actually is, how can we actually uh, assess a person's health literacy level? Yep, so that's a great question. Um, In research, we use a few different types of assessments to measure a person's health literacy. So these range from being either self-report, where people talk about their confidence in different skills and tasks, or we can ask people to perform health literacy skills. So an example might be interpreting a nutrition label. These assessments of health literacy that we use in research, though, they can be a little bit complicated and take a bit of time to administer. So in practice, what we actually recommend is a universal 
precautions approach. And a universal precautions approach means that everyone is given access to the same uh, simple or easy to read information and resources. And this approach means that there's no need to actually assess a person's health literacy in practice. Okay, so tell us a bit more about your PhD hypothesis and why you're interested in this particular area. Sure, so um, my PhD is looking at two things. Firstly, um, like you mentioned, Western Sydney diabetes. So firstly, um, what do Western Sydney GPs and their clients with diabetes actually want to see in a diabetes app? And this um, body of work is really helping to make sure that the app will actually get used by doctors and their clients and be something that they're excited and looking forward to. The other part of my PhD is looking at how health literacy might affect the way that people engage in their diabetes self-management and what that might mean when it comes to designing a diabetes app for people with lower health literacy. So, for example, um, I've been looking at how health literacy affects the kinds of plans that people come up with for diabetes self-management and how health literacy relates to the thought process that people go through when they realise they haven't been eating well or exercising and how they actually get back on track. Okay, so is there any evidence available related to health literacy and diabetes management? And if so, what are the findings from those from that evidence to date? Yep, so um, more generally than just diabetes, we know that health literacy is a really important predictor of different health outcomes. So it's associated with higher rates of chronic illness, um, higher rates of mortality and hospital and emergency department. It's associated with medication errors and lower rates of preventative health behaviours such as screening. And when it comes to diabetes, it's actually, again, um, low health literacy is associated with a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes as well as the actual prevalence. So, for example, um, there was an Australian study recently that looked at almost 3,000 people in the community and people with inadequate health literacy were 1.9 times more likely to report having diabetes. And really importantly, this was independently of the effects of age, sex, income and education. There's also really strong evidence that people with lower health literacy have poorer diabetes knowledge and their HbA1c levels are usually a little bit higher. That's interesting. Thanks for that, Julie. Um, my next question is, what are some of the common challenges, I guess, for diabetes educators and health professionals in general who are working with people with diabetes and other chronic health conditions in terms of what when they encounter when it comes to self-management? So for a person who's just been diagnosed with diabetes, diabetes, um, of course, there's a lot of information to take in. And if you think about it, this can be even harder when the person is distressed or when there's a language barrier or for people who are from a different culture who might be less familiar with the typical kinds of foods that we talk about with diabetes education materials. And the second thing is that a lot of people with diabetes also talk about knowing that it's important to eat healthy um, and do exercise and take their medication, things like that. But they say it's really hard to either get started or to maintain those changes for long periods of time. So it's almost like until they become automatic habits or like a part of your lifestyle, it can be really hard for these changes to stick. I, I guess I can certainly relate to that. Thank you. Mm -hmm, yeah. so, so I guess then let's in, in the work situation, if you had a toolkit to use when you were working with clients with different health literacy levels, what would be in that toolkit and why? So the first thing that I would come back to is what I mentioned earlier. Um, basically start with a universal precautions approach. So that means making sure that information is easy for everyone to understand. Um, and importantly, that doesn't just apply to the written materials that you might give your clients 
um, you can do a lot of work with the way that you communicate verbally as well. One of the strategies that we use in the universal precautions approach is teach back. Um, and this basically involves asking the patient to repeat back information in their own words. It's really, really helpful, has a good evidence base, um, and it not only ensures that the client understands what they've heard, but it also gives the health professional a better idea of how people think about their diabetes and the language they use to describe it. So the idea is that over time, the more and more that you use teach back, the more um, confident um, you'll become in communicating with your clients about what they'll need to do. Another important part of uh, working with clients with differing health literacy levels is that it's really, really important that people feel like they have the confidence to recover from setbacks or periods where they haven't been motivated. Um, and in my, in my research, we've found that this kind of issue is particularly important for people with lower health literacy, and they sometimes struggle with um, being able to get back on track after a setback. So what can you do to actually help them with that? Um, there's a couple of things. The first one is helping them to reflect on why um, strategies that they've used have or haven't worked in the past. Um, there's also some kind of basic assumptions that you can challenge that they might have acquired over time. So for example, um, it's really important to use language that describes setbacks as something that's normal, it's something that everyone experiences. Describe motivation as something that naturally changes over time. And kind of um, linked to this is the idea of challenging um, unhelpful ideas about willpower. And the reason why is because sometimes when people have really strong ideas about willpower, so it's I just need to try harder or I just need to knuckle down and work harder with my diabetes self-management, they can actually close themselves off to thinking about other strategies that might work for them. Thanks for that, Julie. And I guess finally, I'm just thinking back to the learning objectives that I mentioned you know, for today's podcast. If you had three take-home messages, um, to, to, to tie in with those learning objectives, what would they be? Yep, so firstly I would say that um, health literacy refers to the skills that a person uses to access, understand, appraise and act on health information and um, that we know that low health literacy is associated with higher rates of diabetes or a knowledge about diabetes and higher blood glucose levels. So it's really important um, in terms of diabetes care. Secondly, it can be really hard to maintain diabetes self-management behaviours in the long term. And one way that health professionals can help support clients is to help them develop their problem-solving skills. And this is important for everyone, but their clients with lower health literacy might need a little bit more guidance in this area. And the last um, take-home message I wanted to give was that support might involve challenging those unhelpful ideas about willpower and emphasising the idea that setbacks are normal, everyone experiences them, and that motivation is really something that naturally changes over time. And then they can help the client to reflect on the strategies they've used and gradually build up a range of strategies that they can fall back on. Thanks, Julie, so much. And thank you once again for, uh, I'm sure that this podcast has inspired our members to start thinking about working towards expanding their skills in this particular area. And I'd like to thank you for the members for taking the time to listen to this podcast, but please take time to download some of the valuable references that Julia's provided and you'll find on the learning site to support both the issues discussed in, in this podcast today. You can also upload any questions you may like our speaker to address and we'd be happy to fix that up for you. So thank you once again, Julie, and see you all when next we meet on the podcast series. Thank you.